Switched on on F104 and I'm joined by Alicia McGrath, Chartered Work and Organisational Psychologist. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for chatting to us. Not at all. Thank you for having me. So there's been a couple of things in, in the news over the last couple of days about anniversary effect. What exactly does that mean? Well, what the anniversary effect is talking about is the distress that we feel around a particular date. So it's in relation to an event, obviously, that's happened around a particular date. And it seems to occur more frequently and more be felt more strongly in our bodies, in our nervous systems, particularly when that event maybe hasn't been processed fully. Mm-hmm. So funny enough, our, our all, all parts of us, our bodies, our hearts, our, you know, our souls, our minds, can, can hang on to these traumas. And, and they will, your body will react uh, in an anniversary sense, uh, uh, even at an unconscious level. So it really is a real, a real thing that we would see. How can it show up? Um, it can show up in very different ways for different people, but very often it can show up in memories, it can show up in flashbacks, it can show up in um, sense of panic or fear, uh, it can show up in anxiety. It can exist, I guess, on a spectrum for people as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, But it's important to note that, yes, it, it, it is obviously a, a, a phenomenon, but it's not always on the anniversary that, that symptoms like this can turn up or can show up. So it's, it's important to know ourselves and know maybe what our, our triggers are, where the people, places, smells even can be that might trigger some of these memories and some of these reactions at other times as well as the anniversary. How do you go about finding out what it is that brings up those memories? Um, I think it's to really get to know yourself. When I work with organisations and the people in them, the, the, the fundamental t- place where I start is getting people to really know themselves. What are the things that energise you? What are the things that drain you? What are the things that trigger you? What are the things that bring you home to yourself? And, and it's so personal for each individual. So it's not about saying, oh, yeah, on, exactly on this date or this smell or this place mm-hmm. is going to trigger you because it's not a one-size-fits-all, unfortunately. So really it's about um, enabling people to to notice the patterns that emerge, to really start to tune in to themselves. And what I often say to people is if you get um, accustomed to being able to read your own day-to-day emotions, when these bigger reactions come, you'll be much better able to recognize them sooner and be better able to manage them. So that can be the kind of day-to-day emotions we we would call emotional self-awareness when we're talking about emotional intelligence. and that's really saying to people, what do you feel? What, you know, can you label it in your body? Where do you feel it? Do you know what caused you to feel that emotion? And critically, do you know how that's likely to make you behave in the future? So emotional self-awareness, I think, is a really key foundation for all of us, regardless of, of anniversary effect. But it's a really good foundational self-knowledge to have. And then when bigger events like this come along, um, we can better cope in the moment and we can better maybe predict our own uh, triggers because we know ourselves. And obviously you've worked with a lot of organisations. Is it something that can affect you when you're at work? Oh, absolutely. I mean, trauma can um, rear its head at any stage. And that's not just trauma, you know, that is, um, you know, like something you might really, you know, read about in a, mm-hmm. in a newspaper or something like that. You know, death and loss and 
of any description can really be, um, or fright, can really be uh, held in the body and it really can come up at any stage. So even it could be a row at work, you know, and then mm-hmm. you have to go into work. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's all sorts of places um, where trauma can be felt in the body and it will come back up at different times in your, in your day, whether, as I say, that's in work or outside of work. But I think if you have a strong relationship with your manager, with your team, and again, if you know yourself, then, then these, these symptoms can be managed. Is there ways that you can deal with it in the moment? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, again, if, you, if the more you know yourself, the more you're likely to notice it coming and notice it building. And I know, I mean, even on a personal level, I, you know, had, had stayed off many years ago, but saw a panic attack coming on, you know, because I just felt, hang on, I, I don't feel, I don't feel right. What's mm-hmm. happening here? And I was able to just stop what I was doing, take deep breaths, bring myself back, get myself back into nature, which is, which is where I go to calm down, mm-hmm. always have. Um, and, 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 and able to save it off. But, but people, you know, clients that have spoken to me about this and, 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 you know, even case studies I've read, yeah, it is possible to save it off in the moment. But if you're somebody who doesn't know yourself, you don't know your triggers, you don't know, um, you know, what, what your day-to-day emotion feels like, your, your emotional self-awareness, then very often it can be harder to pull it back. But it is possible to learn at any stage. And I suppose in the moment or when something's happening, you might feel like avoiding people or places. Are you better to listen to your body and go with that or even lean into it a little bit? Yeah, and um, leaning on my, my, my colleagues in clinical psychologists, I've spoken to them about this um, a few times and what they always say, and certainly would be my experience of it as well, is lean into it. If you keep avoiding those places, then unfortunately your world starts getting smaller and mm-hmm. smaller. So you may feel like you're keeping yourself safe, but in actual fact, you're shrinking your world. So with baby steps, with loads of compassion, feeling super resourced and supported, go into those places, you know, let those memories come up in you, let yourself feel those emotions ground um, and let them pass because at the end of the day, they are emotions, they are energy, and they will pass through you if you let them. Trying to stay out of the narrative of it can be really helpful and really just allowing that feeling, you know, maybe it's terrifying, maybe it's sad, maybe it's, you know, unpleasant on, you know, on a scale of one to ten, but knowing that like all things, it will pass. But yeah, really trying to do it in a very compassionate way and a very conscious way rather than, as you say, that alternative of just staying home. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned, we were talking before, about glimmers. Now, we've heard quite a bit about these recently. What exactly do they mean? So um, the triggers and the glimmers are what we talk about when we talk about the polyvagal theory. So, so what does is, what is all that very technical stuff sound like? <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a theory to do with how we can understand our nervous system. It's a more modern understanding of the science of our nervous system. And one of the things that it says, which I absolutely love, is that our nervous system, which, by the way, is formed in utero, is always trying to keep us safe. And it won't always make sense what our nervous system makes us do or feel, but it's always trying to keep us safe. And what we want to do all the time is return to a feeling of homeostasis where everything is working really well. When we're in that state, you know, you can see possibilities. We're open to new experiences. You know, like that feeling maybe when you're watching a sunset or a sunrise or something like that. The, the, The triggers which we spoke about are the things that maybe send us off course. 
the glimmers are the things that bring us back. What are those small moments or, or big moments, the people, the, maybe the mantras, the practices, whatever it is that resources you, that can bring you back. Those are the glimmers. And as I was saying before, this is so individual. Um, and when I've studied this and when I've worked with clients on this, I really encourage them to, to be as imaginative and creative as they can be in this space, but also to look back from childhood. What were the things you used to do, you know, to feel safe as a child? What, were, what was your play? What were those things? Where were the places mm-hmm. you went to that you felt really resourced? And bringing yourself back there, even in your imagination, and this is also key, because our brains don't really know the difference between what's real and what we imagine. Even if we are in a room that we don't want to be in, you know, in our imagination going to that mountaintop or the beach or whatever it is, I'm always going to come back to nature, but (laughs) there's other resources that people have. But yeah, but coming back to that will really, really help to, um, to, to bring you home, back to that homeostasis, back to that feeling of feeling grounded. So that's what glimmers are in, in the wider context of the polyvagal theory. Leisha McGrath, Chartered Work and Organisational Psychologist, thank you so much for chatting to us. Thanks a million, Louise.